And with me this morning on a Mind Matters Free Clinic is Dr. Joelle Lowe, a clinical psychologist and director at the Mind Psychological Services and Training. Good morning, Dr. Joelle. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, of course, you can call us with your questions about your mental health or that of someone you love. That number is 039543333. Shahira, what is your question? I'd like to know how do we stay away from toxic people? especially when they are or your own family members because I always read that if you have a relationship or you are surrounded by toxic people, stay away from them so they don't um, influence you with their negativity. But what if it's their own family member? What can you do about it? Mm, That is a good question, isn't it? Um, I think if it's friends or or people you work with, that's much easier, right? I think once you identify that they're toxic, then you can just up and leave. That's okay. But with family members, I think it's a bit more trickier to negotiate. Um, I think it's something that you have to take a stance and, and stick to it. If you are able to keep a distance, right? So that means you only see them like once a year on, on like Chinese New Year or Hari Raya or something mm-hmm. like that, then, then go for it and do that, right? But I think ultimately at the end of the day, if it's something that you cannot uh, stay away from and every time you do meet them, it's really that bad, a decision has to be made. It's either you stand there and take it, right? And, right. and be okay with it, right? Or ultimately, the worst case scenario is that you decide to leave, right? Because right. that's a choice you have to make. Like, in yeah, that, yeah, I find that in the West, <coughs> it's easier for, um, well, adult children to emancipate themselves from their yeah. families, from their parents. But here in uh, the East, yeah, uh, much Eastern uh, Asian culture, mm, it's, mm. It's, it's something we need to get over, uh, I suppose, in yeah, a way. Yeah? yeah, I think it's the whole family thing, right? The family mm-hmm. unit is so important, uh, filial piety and all that kind of things, right? But... Again, it's down to a choice. It's it's whose happiness are you looking after, your own or the ones around you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a it's a difficult choice, but it's a choice that needs to be made. Though. All right. Well, I'm with uh, Dr. Joelle Lowe, clinical psychologist and director at The Mind. If you have a question, the number is zero three nine five four three double three double three, or send us a Digi voice note on our Digi Light line at one six five one zero double eight double eight. In fact, that's what Lee Kyung has done. He wants to ask you about interrupted sleep. It's causing him a lot of distress. That will address his question next after Black Eyed Peas on Light. This is a Mind Matters Free Clinic and Dr. Joelle Lowe is with us. He's a clinical psychologist at The Mind and uh, you can always send us a DG voice note or uh, a message on our DG line at 16 510 That's what Lee Kyung did and this is what he has written in with. I've been waking up in the middle of the night almost every night after dreaming. And after that, I can't sleep anymore. This has been going on for almost two years. Is it stress or my work pressure? I work as a sales executive. I do Tai Chi and Qigong every day. I try to put down all my work after office hours. This condition makes me get less and less sleep, resulting in suffering with my high blood pressure. And uh, I went to sleep between 10.30 and 10.45. Then after dreaming, I'm already up at at around 3 to 4.30 a.m. almost every day. Please advise. Mm. Mm, big one. I think yeah. a lot of Malaysians go through that. I think there's something that, uh, called sleep hygiene that uh, you can check out right now. So if you go online and Google that, there's plenty of information. But in particular to this guy's case, right, um, if you're waking up after nightmares or dreams and all that and you can't go back to sleep at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, one thing you have to do, and this is what I tell all my clients, don't stay in bed, right? Because ultimately our bodies are like uh, machines, right? We get conditioned to certain situations. So if um, for the past two years, right, and that's 
a long time. Um, and you wake up at 3 o'clock every morning and then you can't go back to sleep and you start rolling around in bed. Your body starts learning that that bed isn't for resting and sleeping. Mm. It's for like stress and anxiety and worrying about, oh, I've got work next day, I've got to do a sales meeting and things like that, right? So your body's going to learn that that's not for sleeping. It's just for me to go freak out and worry and be anxious, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, every time you climb into bed, you're not in a restful state, right? And and you go in there feeling anxious. So what I would suggest is that don't go to bed until you feel sleepy, right? That's the first thing, right? So even though you're going to bed early, that's not always a good thing because if you're going to go to bed and then you're going to roll around for an hour before you fall asleep, yeah. that's a bad thing as well. So what I would recommend is that about um, stay in bed for about half an hour, try and sleep. And if you can't, get out of bed, um, do your sleep rituals, like, you know, have uh, something warm to drink, for example. Mm-hmm. No sugars or caffeine, of course, right? The warm yeah. milk or chamomile tea, that kind of thing. Read a book, watch a comedy series for a little bit. And then once you get properly tired, mm-hmm. then you jump into bed again and try. If you yeah. fail, get out of bed and do it all over again, right? right? It's better to get four hours of sleep than like six hours of bad sleep. Right. Then. Is sleep, like, you know, <coughs> self-hypnosis, would that help you sort of relax yep. into to sleep? Yep. Um, yes, it is. For hypnosis, there are certain kinds of some people can do it, some people can't, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the whole defense kind of thing, right? So if you're really defensive and you don't want to be uh, <laughs> in that kind of state, you're not going to be, right? Um, but under the sleep hygiene umbrella, you know, there are things like relaxation techniques and breathing techniques and mm-hmm. all that. And those are really simple things that you can do to help your body like rest or get relaxed, like, I suppose, right. before you fall off the bed. Okay, hope that helps you, Lee Kiong, because there's nothing worse than interrupted <laughs> sleep. Oh, yeah. I get it. Now, coming up, Jane has a question about how to deal with her estrangement brother and if you have questions call us on 0395433333 we'll address Jane's question next here on light it's a light breakfast with Shaz and a Mind Matters Free Clinic with clinical psychologist Dr. Joel Lowe. And you can call us with your questions uh, for Dr. Joel. Jane, what is your question? My brother has been abroad for about four or five years for his studies. And we have lost contact with him because he refused any contact with us for this past year. We want to know what to do because whenever he contacts us, it's just for his school fees. And we do not want to force him to to contact us um, on the basis of saying that, okay, if you don't contact us, we're not going to give you money because we understand that he's undergoing depression right now. So we want to know what do we do about this when he does not want to let us know his address so we can't find him and he does not respond to our calls or messages. This is not a normal behaviour from him. Okay, Dr. Joel, what do you think? Uh, that's a big one. I think, yeah, there's a couple of things here that we need to look at, right? So, estranged is one thing, right? So, she, she's refusing contact. But I think the other one is the depression. And depression is one of those things that really makes people, like, pull away and isolate themselves uh, from friends and family, right? And it's one of those things, so for any mental health patient, in that sense, or anyone who has a chronic mental health disorder, you can't force your help onto them. I think that's the, the number one thing. I mean, of course, unless they are uh, at risk of harming someone or harming themselves, like suicide and all that, yes intervene right but I think short of that I think if we force we would force ourselves onto them it's just going to make things more ugly in that sense mm-hmm. right because there's this saying that I like to use right you can bring the cow to the river but you can't force the cow to drink the water like, in that sense right so even if you get hold of him and you make him go see a therapist or psychiatrist he's going to stand there for and sit there for an hour and just going to stare at the doctor for an hour and nothing's right. going to happen right I think the best thing the, the, that you guys can do right now is to hang in there right and just let him know that you're available that you're ready and willing to help 
alright, and let him come to you guys. Mm-hmm. I think for as long as you know he's safe, he's not hurting himself, he's not doing anything that's uh, risky or dangerous or harmful, I think that's something that we need to uh, let, let go for now. Okay, what can Jane and her parents do to kind of, you know, deal with their anxiety about yeah. this issue yeah. and worry about their son and brother? Right. That's never easy. I think caretakers and family members oftentimes take the brunt of a lot of uh, mental health issues, right? Hang in there, right? Use uh, use each other for support. Talk to one another. You know, uh, lean on one another as much as you can, and and trust lah that the, the 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 your brother, your 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 son can get better, will get better, right? And um, hope lah. Right? for now, that's the best that you can do. Um, and and do as support him as much as you can, and each other as well. All right. Well, give us a call on zero three nine five four three double three double three if you have a question for Doctor Joel. Now we were talking about hypnosis, self hypnosis earlier. Iris has. Written in and uh, asked if hypnosis can actually help with weight loss. We'll address her question next here on Light. And uh, this morning's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Joelle Lowe, clinical psychologist and director at the Mind Psychological Services and Training. Iris has written in. She wants to know if hypnosis can actually help with weight loss. <laughs> Dr. Joelle, right. your thoughts? Um, so I'm no expert on hypnosis, right? That's a really specialist uh, field here, right? Um, but from what I understand from hypnosis... It helps as much as you want it to help, if that makes sense, right? So right. let's say, for example, you're motivated to lose weight and, and you, you it's, it's a goal that you want to achieve, then yeah, definitely hypnosis is going to be very helpful, right? Right. How does it help? It helps by putting you in a frame of mind that keeps you motivated, that keeps you excited and keeps you um, uh, consistent. I think that's the main thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes with weight loss programs, diet programs and all that, we know it works because there's research about it. But the main thing that trips everyone up is consistency, right? It's like setting mm-hmm. a New Year's yeah. resolution, right? Oh, I'm going to go to the gym every day for, for on New Year's Day. The first week, fine. Second week, a uh, bit iffy. And then the third week after that, right, that's it. That goes my new re- resolution. Hypnosis, in some ways, like, helps you stay consistent as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm no expert, so I'm not entirely sure of the mechanics behind it. But I think that's the main thing, like, changing the frame of mind so that you're more motivated and uh, eager, like, I suppose, like, to stay on your weight loss program. All right. Yeah. I hope that um, helps you, <laughs> yeah, Iris. Uh, tell me if it works, okay? <laughs> I might try it myself. Okay, if you have a question for Dr. Joel, give us a call on 039543 double three double three or you can uh, drop us a voice note on our DG Lightline at 016-510-8888 next Sheila wants to know how to deal with her anxiety about work she's feeling a little burnt out so we'll address that next here on Light and on our Mind Matters Free Clinic Dr. Joelle Lowe clinical psychologist and uh, Sheila had a question I'm having a lot of difficulty sleeping at night. I'm thinking about my job all the time. I'm getting worried. I get anxious all the time. You know, I'm so afraid of all the drama that might happen at work the next day. Is there anything actually going on right now? Are you in the middle of some major office politics? There are some office politics that are going on. But at the same time, you know, I I, I don't know. I'm just so worried. You know, I've got a friend, a few friends who've um, lost their jobs. And, you know, I'm... I cannot be in that position, you know, and I'm so stressed. I don't know if it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but, you know, I'm just constantly thinking that, you know, something could go wrong and I'm getting anxious about it, you know. Sometimes when it gets really bad, I can't breathe, you know. I feel as if I have this tightness in my chest and now I'm not sleeping. So, you know, how do I get a good night's sleep? Okay, well, not just that. Also, how yeah. to deal with anxiety <clears throat> and calm yourself down, right, Dr. Yeah, Joel? Yeah, you're right. So, I think what you're exhibiting is all very classic signs of anxiety. <clears throat> so, when you have tightness in your chest, 
you can't breathe, you can't sleep, you're anticipating things from, uh, that are going, going to happen, might happen. Those are very classic signs of anxiety. La. And I think that's uh, a result of the work, definitely, right? So to resolve the more physical symptoms, what I would suggest is um, to try out some deep breathing, right? And also some meditation. I think that's going to be really helpful to help just manage the physical symptoms, mm-hmm. right? For the cognitive symptoms, the worries, the anxieties, our human minds are really wonderful in the sense that we can imagine really wonderful things, right? And that's why we can create airplanes and, and the internet and the Wi-Fi and all the kind of things. But it also means that we can create very negative scenarios for ourselves as well. So similar to like what you're saying, right? You're thinking about what's going to happen, what might happen, you know, it's happened to my colleagues, when is it my turn, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we try and get our clients to do is to be grounded or be here in the moment, be present in that sense, right? Meditation, for example, is a great example of being in the moment because right. you're focusing in on yourself, right? So the next time you find yourself um, not being able to sleep or you're at work and you're having a bit of a panic kind of thing, right? Sit, find a quiet corner mm-hmm. and just find one thing to focus on. Not your phone or anything like that, right? But find an object or, or a painting on the on the wall or, or a picture or something like that. And just sit down there and just really focus in on that and just lose yourself in it, right? So to speak, mm-hmm. right? And the whole idea behind that process is so that when you have something to focus on and you're not like being distracted by the what-ifs and the possibilities and the catastrophes and all that kind of things, it helps calm you down and focus you on right here, right now, right? It's not a solution because because ultimately the politics are going to be there and yeah. everything's going to still be there. But for that five minutes, ten minutes, you know, you find a little bit of peace for yourself. Right. Um, I don't know uh, if this is a solution, but is it a solution to mm. go and confront whatever issues mm, directly? Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you have issues with people at work yeah. or yeah. whatever it is. If it's an option at all, definitely go do it. Because obviously when something is there constantly bugging you, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, right? But if it's something that cannot be removed, then you have to manage yourself, right? And that's how we deal with things, right? Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Joel. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. That was Dr. Joel Lowe, clinical psychologist and director at the Mind Psychological Services and Training.